Welcome to Stories from Cumberland, the podcast about the 2019 Youth Media Lab at the University of North Texas Department of Media Arts. At the Youth Media Lab, we believe media play an important role in the lives of everyone, especially those on the margins of society. The group of young people we worked with this summer live at Cumberland Presbyterian Children's Home, a residential care facility located in Denton, Texas, which primarily serves teens from ages 11 to 17. So why would it be important to do something with media for people your age? Understanding, I guess. Understanding what? I don't know, understanding the minds of youth. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. How many of you watch YouTube or watch television, watch Ooh. movies? Most of you, right? How many of you listen to music? Okay, there we go, right? So I'm guessing that on a daily basis, most of you are consuming media. You're listening to music when you get ready in the morning, maybe um, in the car. You're watching um, Netflix or Hulu or YouTube videos. Maybe you're watching movies, go to the movies with your friends. So you're consuming a lot of media. It's a really important part of our lives, all of us, from little kids, right? Some of you maybe have had like television since you were born, right? Like maybe mom or dad gave you an iPad and was like, here, go play this while I do something, right? Like media is a part of our lives um, from birth until we're old, right? Like Dr. Vickery points out, young people consume a lot of media. The so-called Generation Z these teens are from is known for always being connected. In fact, Nielsen Research reported in 2018 that over 95% of Gen Z owns a smartphone. With a smartphone often comes access to the internet. A lot of free media is available online, like social media apps and the streaming video site YouTube. Both of these are immensely popular with teens. I asked the Cumberland residents what they might do while hanging out at home and using their smartphones. With your cell phone, what might you do? Like, you're home, you're relaxing, what kind of media might you consume with your phone? Oh, TikTok. Rick and Morty. Pretty Little Liars. Tunji TV. It's like a app for movies and you get to watch them for free. Snapchat. Snapchat, Netflix. Even though I'm only about 10 years older than most of them, I didn't recognize some of their answers. And unless you're their age or have teenagers of your own, you might not either. They consume media entirely differently than generations before them. Media are often claimed as the source of modern issues. We blame smartphones for distractions, social media for misinformation, and video games for violence. A Cumberland employee who attended the workshop had this to say. I see it every day, like um, on Facebook, people with the fake news links, and it's so easy for media to spread. I feel like media does spread faster than word. Even back in the day, Socrates spoke out against writing, claiming it would make us forgetful. And let's not forget about the satanic panics of the 1970s and 80s, where heavy metal records could supposedly be played backwards to receive messages from the devil. This line of thinking is a fallacy known as technological determinism, or the belief that technologies determine how our society and culture work. It's kind of like blaming Henry Ford for being in a car accident. Yes, he would not have gotten in an accident if cars did not exist, but the accident ultimately happened because of human error. In the same way that being a better driver can help make everyone safer, being a more critical consumer of media has benefits for everyone. So, instead of asking questions about how media affects us, we should be asking how we can better understand media. Media literacy, or the ability to access, analyze, evaluate, and create media in a variety of forms is an important skill as media and related technologies become more prevalent in our everyday lives. Arlo, who works at Cumberland but stayed at the facility during the workshop, thinks that better understanding media can be a powerful skill for the young people he works with. Especially if they're um, 
doing it themselves. Not only do they get the perspective of, of learning new things, but they can also tell their story and do it themselves, and it gives them that too much more empowerment in their lives. This topic ended up being the very first lesson of the Youth Media Lab's 2019 summer workshop. Step one is understanding that every piece of media, from a movie to a tweet to this very podcast, is constructed by a person or people with a purpose. Audiences, whether they are youth in foster care or a 25-year-old graduate student, must be able to analyze and evaluate the content they consume. To help get the residents thinking about these concepts, I showed them a trailer for the movie Frozen. So, who made this movie? Or rather this well, show? Disney. Disney, right? Then I asked them, why would Disney make this movie? Because it has something to do with princesses. Because it has something to do with princesses? Why would they make a movie about princesses? Because this movie shows that not every princess needs a prince for true love. Their answers focused on the story being told. Professor Carter had to prod them a little to get them thinking about the correct answer. Why else could they have made it? So they wanted to have a good message about princesses and how family's important, how they, can, they don't have to wait for a prince to save them, but why else did Disney make this particular movie and any movie that they made? What else? Is it higher level? Um, I think someone just said money. Money. <laughs> money. It's, a, it's a business. It's an industry. They wanted people to buy movie tickets, buy the DVDs, download it. They didn't stop to consider that Disney, one of the most prominent media corporations in the world, is a business. They want money. That's a, so they, they know that if they put princesses in it and girl power, people will come and buy the tickets to give them money. Like It's still an industry and a business. And, Everything you watch is going to have some sort of purpose, and Disney is definitely, money is always something you want out there. Most corporate media seek to entertain or inform, but their primary focus is actually profit. In the case of Disney, they made Frozen to sell movie tickets and merchandise, expand their brand, and more. Sometimes media isn't the only product. It can serve as an intermediary between the corporation seeking to advertise and the consumer they want to reach. That makes you a product too what Dallas Smythe famously called the audience commodity. Understanding who the creator is and asking critical questions about their motivations helps make one a better consumer of media. Not all media are corporate, however. Another person, for a completely different audience and purpose, created their own trailer for Frozen. They tweaked a few things, using the same techniques as Hollywood filmmakers to make the children's movie look like a horror flick. You know, most people who disappear to the mountains want to be alone. Nobody wants to be alone. That's what's next. Recognizing the techniques used to attract and hold the attention of the audience. Media producers use everything from the familiar musical cues in horror movies to the way news anchors speak to encourage us to stay tuned in to what is happening on the screen or page. This creator had a different purpose and message and used their own techniques to achieve that. In doing so, they also presented their own perspective. To anyone else, Frozen is a children's movie. This person saw it as something different, a chance to turn something cute into something sinister. <laughs> These techniques have developed over time as technology and cultural interests have changed. So we're doing a quick activity to see if you can understand or see if you can notice when cuts happen. 
And I'm going to show two different film examples, and that's going to kind of get you thinking about how shots are put together before we actually start filming stuff on the camera. So what I have, I have an example from the movie The Karate Kid. Have you guys seen it? There's one from 1984, and there's one from 2010 with um, Jaden Smith. So we're going to watch the old one first. And what I want you to do when we're watching this, anytime you see a new shot come on the screen or a shot change, that's where a cut happens. And I want you to clap. Movies, for instance, have gotten faster. Um, and this is a similar scene with a different version. So instead of doing the wax on, wax off, he's doing, um, I don't know if you guys have seen this one, but Jaden Smith always like throws the jacket on the floor, so he's making them pick up the jacket and hang it up. So teaching that discipline and that repetition is gonna help them. As Professor Carter showed them with this quick exercise, even remakes change depending on who they're made for. Different aesthetics and styles appeal to different people. A remake of Karate Kid intended for Gen Z is going to be different from a remake of the same movie for their older family members. Similarly, different messages appeal to different people. Whether they know it or not, authors encode their own perspectives and values into the media text they create. They might shed a new light on an issue or present a different way to think about things. These perspectives and values can be great, such as the case with Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, the famously wholesome children's show that encouraged everyone to be a good neighbor. They can also mislead or even harm other people. A good example of this is stereotypical portrayals of people in media. These harmful stereotypes are something the residents from Cumberland say they have experience with. To know you like I'm going through some right now, like where somebody like try to get like try to like you, and then like they be like, well, like why can't you text me back every day? I can't trust somebody to say, oh, I'm in foster care. I can't really text you every day. I don't know how I'm gonna go text you. Stuff like that. So it's kind of hard because once you see that, it's like a fear of rejection. It's like, oh, okay, weirdo, you know. And it's always not only do authors imbue media with their own perspectives. Different people can come to different interpretations and therefore conclusions about the messages of a media text. Without any positive representation to counter it, negative portrayals of youth in foster care can lead their peers to have some unsavory opinions of them. And even in school, like they label us, they be like, oh, them CPS kids, or all, oh, no, oh, like one time I got, oh, those are all the girls from the girls' ranch. If the author of a piece of media, knowingly or unknowingly, represents someone or something inaccurately or unfairly, then how can we know what is true? And what can we do to rectify it in cases where it isn't? Media literacy helps us think about these things. Media literacy encourages us to always think about the information we are receiving, who it is coming from, if it is accurate, and if our own biases affect how we interpret it. But what about what's not there? 
One of the harder concepts of media literacy for the students was the following question. We start to ask ourselves, once we start to recognize that these media are created by someone for a purpose and that they use certain uh, things to keep your attention, we can start to look at media differently and ask ourselves what lifestyles, values, points of view, or you know, people are represented. So what do you not see in either of the Frozen trailers? The snowman. Yeah, the boy, or, or that boy that, um, that Arnold's gonna marry. You don't see him in the next one. Think about the, the actual content. Like, who do we see on screen, or who do we not see? No, when enjoying a movie, reading the news, or passing by a billboard, we are not usually thinking about what is not part of the message. If certain people, ideas, and perspectives are not shared or are misconstrued through media, then media begin to reinforce stereotypes and shape audiences' worldviews. Once again, Arlo has strong feelings about this. How do you feel about representation of, of uh, kids in foster care in the media? Uh, it sucks. It's not what it, it should be. Um, people talk about foster kids and their, their look on them is not good. And then you work here and it's totally different. Like these kids, they might come from a, a broken home or bad situations, but they, they're very resilient. They're happy. They, they strive their best to do their best every day and they just want to make people smile and have them understand them and not be put down or looked down upon, honestly. I don't say this to blame media, but rather to highlight its importance. Everyone should have access to media, not only to consume it, but to create it, not just for profit, but for themselves. This is the last part of being media literate, the ability to create media. Many of us do this without really thinking about it. We think media production is outside of our realm of expertise without acknowledging that we write status updates, take photos, and make memes on a regular basis. The name is right there, social media. The ability to create and share media is more prevalent than ever, and it's becoming increasingly tied to how we communicate. Teens have become celebrities from their bedrooms. Movements have been started on sites like Twitter and Facebook. People have discovered niche interests and new perspectives. Instead of asking how media is making our world worse, we should be figuring out how we can use it to create a better one. The barriers to entry in media are forever lowering. Learning about media isn't just for youth in foster care, nor is it only for people in Hollywood. It's for everyone. What was once the realm of a select few is now open to the masses. I hope that we were able to teach you a thing or two as well so that you may use this knowledge in the same way as the young people we worked with this summer. That's what the Youth Media Lab at the University of North Texas is about. Understanding media and how to use it to create a more equitable world for all. Thank you for listening to Stories from Cumberland. While you're here, subscribe to the podcast in your favorite listening app and tell your friends. To learn more about Cumberland Presbyterian Children's Home and how you can help, visit cpch.org.
For more information on the Youth Media Lab, visit mediaarts.unt.edu.